Welcome to the Total Freedom Podcast, where you can build your total freedom lifestyle and live your life doing what you want, when you want, with whomever you want. And now, here is your host, John Racine. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. This is episode five. I am super excited for today's guest. This is a guy who has not followed a traditional path to getting to his passion. He actually left his Fortune 500 company to pursue his dream of becoming a professional mini golfer. And he's a very cool guy. And I can't wait for you to hear from him. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show, Carl Barth. Carl, welcome to the Total Freedom Podcast. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I've got to say, I talk to a lot of people in my past and in my present. You've got one of the most unique backgrounds of leaving a Fortune 500 to go become a professional mini golfer. Now, I, for one, love mini golf, but did, know, did not know there was such a thing as a professional. So tell us how you got here. Yeah, so that's that's the always the response I get from everybody. So with uh, with COVID nineteen and interview doing more interviews and talking with a lot more people and meeting a lot more people, that is the exact response I get when I tell them <laughs> I'm a professional miniature golfer. They say I didn't believe that was a thing. Um, how do you even get into something like that? So um, basically, for me and how this all got started is as a kid, I just loved playing miniature golf. Um, I think one of my earliest memories was getting uh, a toy called Gator Golf. I think I was either two or three years old. And it was basically this uh, little plastic alligator that you hit golf balls into and then it would send it back to you. So it was it was definitely my favorite toy. And it's actually one of the, the earliest uh, things I can remember in my life. Um, when growing up, anytime uh, I was allowed to choose to do a family activity, it was always uh, miniature golf to the point where my siblings would go, really, we're doing this again. <laughs> we just, we just did this last time we were out. So, um, so that's where I really loved it. And I think the thing about it is that um, there are a lot of courses around the country and the world. And even though there could be similar designs, every course has its own unique like flavor and elements to it. So even though, what I would say is cookie cutter designs, you know, just straight hole or uh, around the, around a curve or whatever. There's always some slight nuances that, you know, make it that own individual um, course. So um, growing up, uh, I decided I wanted to get into architectural engineering. Um, I wanted to do like smart home design, sustainable design. So um, I enrolled for the architectural engineering program at the Milwaukee School of Engineering. After going through uh, a couple courses with that, I realized that uh, architectural engineering doesn't really have a focus on smart home design. So it, it was more geared towards um, commercial designing warehouses, skyscrapers, that type of thing. And that, that wasn't really what I wanted to do, even though maybe at one point it could lead to some like smart home design. Um, I didn't want to have to do 90% of the time something I wasn't interested in to get to what I wanted to do. So I'd switched majors and was fortunate enough to still be on track and graduate on time. And I switched over to a technical communications degree, which was a really uh, cool program, uh, which no longer exists. Uh, they, they swapped it out with like a 
user design program. But what was cool about it is we actually got to uh, experience all the different engineering programs uh, that MSOE had to offer. So we would be doing mechanical engineering, industrial engineering, software engineering, biomolecular engineering, just all sorts of different fields and really kind of get a base understanding of, you know, how, what that field is like and which allowed us to communicate um, basically engineering speak into plain English. So other people could understand (laughs) um, what, what they were trying to convey. Um, It's actually, it was a very small program when I graduated, it was at 13 students and I also uh, met my wife in the program. So I always laugh and joke that uh, when, as a couple, we were the majority stakeholders of our program. So (laughs) If you, if you wanted a decision made, you'd have to go through us. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then uh, as I was going to school, I did get an internship with a Fortune 500 company uh, that designs uh, banking software, supports all the um, financing or a majority of the financing of the uh, payment processing in the country. Um, I was an intern for product documentation. So what that meant was I was handling uh, client-facing documentation, working on edits, um, trying to get communication and organization for that particular department, um, get that ready to go and have and just improve upon what was already in place. And then kind of a cool side project that also evolved from that um, was that my manager at the time also did usability studies. So we had a usability lab on site and we would bring in end users and have them go through software. And it was really cool because it was sitting with um, like the VPs of large bank companies, they'd come in and, and watch and ask questions. So it was a pretty cool opportunity to have like some of that visibility with some of those higher up people, but then also really learn how to uh, manage a usability study because over the years it went from me assisting and, you know, going to grab the the participant a drink or, or, um, taking out the trash for the, the, the room and stuff like that um, to actually writing the scripts and programs and, and actually being the technician in the lab that's running all the equipment and things like that. So it would allow um, my manager to really focus on asking those prominent questions that needed to be asked. Um, when I graduated, I was offered a full-time position as a business systems analyst, which meant that um, Basically, working on the development of the product, I would be going through and um, figuring out the functionality of how the product would work and what the requirements were from the client to to put them in place. So basically, if you wanted to say, I want to be able to pay a person, a bank, um, a business, how do we make that happen? And then my job was to go work with the developers and um the quality assurance uh, analysts and the product managers to make that happen. And then writing that all out and the requirements for the whole project. Um, about two years into working that role, I was also um, offered to take on a second job uh, while I was there because uh, our technical writer had left. So um, I took on both uh, the role as a business systems analyst and uh, the technical writer, which turned out I was the lead technical writer because I was the only one. Um, 
Um, so I really jumped into that and um, we used a, a content management system called uh, Dita. And basically what that did is allowed to catalog content. So you're not always typing everything out. You're keeping things aligned with similar with the same message. And it's kind of just like you're plugging it in to filling out like a form so that um, when you're writing something, the communication stays the same. But it has all sorts of different nuances and programming. So like if you're saying, well, this is for a particular client and they don't use the word customer in their documentation, they use um, client, you can put those settings in to allow it to basically do that. You just have to figure out structuring. So um, in the uh, with doing that, um, I'd really mastered that software program to the point where there was people that were like 20 plus years in technical writing coming to me and asking questions about it. Like, how can I improve this and how can I improve that? Which was pretty cool because as basically the lowest level in the whole company uh, for an employee for that, it was cool that, you know, the so-called specialists in that area were coming to me for uh, advice and, and ideas on that. Um, I also worked on one of the company's largest uh, projects that they had ever taken on. Um, and it's still kind of a little confusing to me. Maybe not, maybe it's just because I always delivered, but uh, like there was other departments in the company that had teams of technical writers, but here I am working on like the largest product by myself. So um, I did it. I, I think I did a great job and I did deliver. So um, that always felt good, but it was, I, I felt I was starting to feel burned out uh, in, in near the beginning of 2019, but that's also um, what kind of prompted me for making my exit. So um, in 2017, I had actually started my first kind of side hustle business with miniature golf. And that was a website called uh, mini golf reviews. So I still, I still work on that today, but it's a uh, pretty uh, streamlined into the, for the process. Uh, I can basically work on that for about 30 minutes a day. And that's all I have to do to, to keep, to make that grow and keep that functioning. Um, I imagine I, with, with your technical writing background, it makes that piece a lot easier, I would imagine. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah absolutely. So um, basically what that site is all about is it's kind of a collection of mini golf, anything, whether it's courses, uh, experiences, tournaments, things like that. As I get that information, I share that there. Um, so when I initially started, I was doing full course reviews. So I was going to a course, playing all the holes that they had, taking pictures, documenting like things like, well, this hole was in disrepair, or I particularly like this feature. Let's talk more about that. But I was realizing that that was taking way too long to, to <laughs> produce that content. And then it was also like remembering people's attention span. Most people aren't going to read a 3,000 to 5,000 word article about a particular course in miniature golf. They just don't have the attention span, nor do I think maybe that interest is there unless they're like a super fan like I am. So um, basically that I started that in October of 2017 and then transitioned in 2018 to start doing um, a hole a day. So sharing a picture of that, of a particular hole on a course and then doing just a brief description on that, keeping it to about, um, 
150 to 300 words. Were you doing that locally near where you lived or were you traveling far and wide to go to different courses? It was, it was both. So anytime that we we travel around, I try to find courses and, and, and do that. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a neat thing because, uh, just because I traveled to a course doesn't necessarily mean I have to post about it right away. So I actually have an archive probably about, at this point, 9,000 pictures wow. for posting still to go through. So like, I'm not like super concerned about necessarily going to new courses. Like I don't have to at this point. I know that I want to just because for the fun <laughs> aspect of it. But um, I have content that's going to last me for years at this point by posting one holiday, with a couple pictures here and there, and then the description about it. And I kind of coined what I was doing, like micro posts. So I know like uh, Google in particular, when you're writing content, they want to see like that 2,500 word count for, to, you know, for their algorithm and to produce that. But also they want to see consistency and original content. So even though the sizing does matter, I suppose if I did a post every day with 2,500 words, I would just completely be crushing not only that space, but other spaces in golf too. Um, but the idea was, I, I just want to keep getting content in front of people and getting that visibility. So I've been posting um, a holiday ever since then. And uh, the first year, twenty, the end of 2017, I had uh, 10,000, uh, uh, a viewership of 10,000 people looking at it, whether it was going to the site or going through social media and just checking out the posts and things like that. Was that and organic was, growth that you had? or Yeah, you- yeah I've, I've never paid for any uh, ads or marketing on my stuff. I've, I've done everything on my own. I just real quick for the audience, if they don't know what organic means, that is where you're just posting the content. And when you go into Google and do a search, you rank highly because of the words in the post. So I just want to explain that to the audience. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's where I kind of went. I did, uh, you know, tagging keywords specifically and phrases to help, you know, what are people searching for? So it was really easy for that because there's a lot of ways that you can call mini golf, mini golf, miniature golf, crazy golf, goofy golf, all those different uh, keywords I can play around with. So I have a lot of word play to, that I can use and it allows me to track back for all of those different categories of that. And also because it's miniature golf is still golf, there's tagging in that area. And then the fact that it's a, a business and entrepreneurship and marketing itself, I can always in those too. So it allows me to reach a lot of different audiences with just the different wordplay that I use. So in 2017, for those uh, two months there getting started, I was pretty impressed that my viewership was at 10,000 people, whether they're looking on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, or going directly to the site. Um, I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, with all the content that's out there, there was people that were checking out my stuff and, and were inter- interested enough to be returning back every time I was posting something uh, and, and reading through that. Um, but then when I changed my strategy, I was starting to see those numbers going up, which is what we all plan on that to do. So um, in 2018, um, my growth went to 50,000 wow. viewer, viewership in, the, in that whole year, which again, I was just, I was just kind of blown away that you know, I was doing something right that people were reading my stuff and interested enough to come back um, and just kept working on it. So then um, in 2019, at the beginning of the year was when I was starting to realize my transition 
out of the Fortune 500 company. So I was working at, at the Fortune 500 company, working on um, mini golf reviews at the same time. Um, I was starting to see some uh, pickup with mini golf reviews. So I wanted to see, well, what else could I do to um, really be just a full-time miniature golfer, play in tournaments around the country when, when I have an opportunity to do so, um, playing leagues, that kind of stuff. So be a professional miniature golfer, not necessarily always playing in tournaments for money or things like that, but playing mini golf as my profession. So um, I know there's kind of a, an interesting tie with that, but I do play um, in tournaments and things like that. But really the more professional mini golf is I'm playing mini golf as my career and then writing about it and then doing other elements with mini golf. So, um, so when I decided to leave the company, the, really the, the, the thing that was holding me back is I had my student loans, but I was very aggressive with my student loans. So, um, I was set to finish paying that off, uh, in March of 2019. So I paid off my student loans in three years. So wow. I was, I was very aggressive with that because I knew like, you know, like, Everyone always talks about like, that's like the only debt that you just can't get rid of. Even like if you die, it goes on to your family members and, and things like that. So I was like, I need to get, you know, take care of this because that's going to be what is holding me back for trying different things and, and exploring uh, career wise. So and was very aggressive on that. I think I was at, at one point I was doing like 10 or 15 times the minimum payment just to, wow. to just kick it down as quickly as I could, you know, making a lot of sacrifices because of that. You know, I swore after I graduated or graduated from school, I wasn't really going to have ramen ever again, but <laughs> that, ch that changed pretty quickly with trying to do that because I really wanted to get towards my dream and it, you know, it was within grasp. So uh, I got that paid off and then um, I had made my announcement that I would be leaving um, the company uh, at the end of April. So actually tomorrow is my one year anniversary of leaving April 26th. Congratulations. So, yeah. So it's, it's kind of crazy um, that that's where I, I am now. It's a, a year coming up, but besides the mini golf reviews, um, which I want to point out too, that, since I left and did that full time, I went from that 50,000 in 2018 to over 3 million viewership in this wow. last year. Yeah. And that's just because I, I have more time to dedicate towards that. I'm starting to get more well-known in the community uh, with miniature golf and I'm really posting some really cool content with it. You know, I, I've been able to do a little bit more traveling and, showcase some of the best courses that the country has to offer. And one of the things that is really important to me is it's not just what people perceive as the most popular courses. So wherever you go, there's always, you can do a Google search, say miniature golf near me, and you'll see, well, what's the top rated courses? Well, a lot of instances, the course owners are not digital at all. They don't have any online presence. So either you have to know with locals word of mouth, or you just have to really do some deep searching, like even going back to like a phone book for that area type of thing to find some stuff. 
and those courses typically have some really unique designs. They're usually homemade. So the, the course owner themselves built it instead of hiring out a contractor or things like that. So they're very important to play those courses to play those courses and share those courses with people. So sometimes I've, I've found that I've helped them get discovered by other people when they're visiting a certain area. One of the added side benefits then is that you're helping small local mom and pop businesses to yep, grow their absolutely. base without them themselves being in a digital environment. That's impressive. Right. And it's, and it's, and, and they don't have to pay for that, which is something that's, you know, super important to them because, you know, a lot, a lot of cases, it's like this is a retirement thing that they put together because they enjoyed it. They thought it was fun. You know, have the grandkids be able to play and you know still bring in some income because the miniature golf courses are quite profitable if done in well. And because uh, basically, it's just the initial front cost. You purchase the property, land, or lease it, and then the maintenance is relatively low. So it's just keep sending people through, and you know keep bringing in income and, and it's a good time. So, uh, and, and it's for all age demographics and, and, you know, everything like that. So anybody can go play miniature golf, which is again, another reason why I love it is it's not set for a specific type of person. Like, uh, I also laughed and say that, um, professional miniature golf is the only sport that I could be a professional athlete with my body figure. So, (laughs) so I always um, said mine was bowling. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, there, a lot of people have dreams and aspirations to be like, I'm going to be a professional basketball player, professional football player, professional baseball player. And the mar- the opportunity to be one of those is so slim. It, it, it's kind of devastating how it can crush people with that. With this, basically, you just got to get out there and start playing and you just improve along the way. And that's what's really cool about it. You become a professional just because you want to be a professional and you practice at it. I mean, not that all those other things don't require practice. I'm just saying that it's easier to have that skill level rise with this than with a a professional sport where it might be a time crunch. Like you might only have a certain window that you can perform at your peak, whether it's like in your early, mid twenties, late twenties. But after that, you might not be able to do that sport for too much longer. Mini golf, you can do that from basically when you get out of the womb all the way up to the day you die. So, um, that's, what's really cool about it. Um, so, uh, Working with mini golf reviews, a lot of good opportunities come from that. I actually got sponsored by a couple companies. Um, and my biggest sponsor is a company called Night Sports uh, Spectrum. Uh, so basically, or Night Sports USA, and they created something called the uh, Spectrum Golf Ball, which is their, their big, cool product, which I'm going to show you right now. So what's cool about it is you actually take like a light on your phone and you have your golf ball. You can actually turn on your golf ball. So as you can see, this is blue. But now here's where it gets really cool. As you take a light, you can change the color. So now we're green or red. I mean, it's it's just a really cool product. And what's really cool is it's great for golf, but really they had found that um, really the industry that's utilizing this the most is the miniature golf industry. And they just so happened to talk to one of the the best experts in the country on that. So 
I actually now work as a consultant for them as their mini golf expert. So when I travel around the country, I bring a bunch of those with me, talk to course owners and show them the ball, give them a ball. It's kind of, it's a, kind of a neat business card. And then if, uh, talk about the opportunities that can go with that, which is basically, you know, you can add a couple hours, uh, extra hours of operation at night, have kind of a neat experience like Friday night glow night or whatever, like, like cosmic bowling with the yep. bowling industry, yep. things like that. Um, you can also charge more to do that kind of thing because it's kind of a special event and it just allows for different opportunity for those miniature golf courses to have. And what's also really interesting is you could play a course a hundred times and you know, you, at that point you might be sick of it. Well, most people would be, but I wouldn't be, but uh, you play that so many times, but then when you play at night and you're using one of those golf balls, it's a completely different experience. You can't play the course like you normally would. Like you can't necessarily see so well where the, the bank shot is or playing the curves. You just got to, do your best to get the ball in the hole. So it is a really neat and uh, customized experience with that. And I think that's where the industry is pushing towards. So it was really neat to connect with them and have that opportunity with, with uh, mini golf reviews at least. Hi, I just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for listening to the Total Freedom Podcast. We spend a lot of time on this show talking about resiliency, overcoming challenges, and achieving greatness in your life. And I wanted to invite you to discover the Resolve System, my own unique take on how to overcome virtually any challenge in your life. I've outlined the seven steps of the Resolve formula that will take you through just about any challenge you could have in life or business. So head over to TotalFreedomPodcast.com forward slash Resolve and check out the video. Thanks so much. But those of you that are listening, I know you're not going to see this video. We're recording by Zoom and this is the audio is going to get stripped out. But he had this little golf ball and all he did was took his phone and tapped it to the golf ball and it just lit it up into these different colors. And it's really, really cool. So uh, I'll put a link to to that in the uh, the show notes. So everybody can find it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and actually, just to clarify, too, it it wasn't that I just tapped my phone. It was I used the light on my phone. Absolutely. So I used the light and swiped over, which they have a sensor in there, and that's how you activate it and change the colors. Um, but they actually, one of the suggestions I had starting um, working with them is like, the phone is great, but uh, there was confusion uh, initially uh, that you're supposed to use like an app on your phone to activate your ball. And they were like, no, 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 it's just using your light on that. So I suggested, you know, we should look at different like types of flashlights and things available on the market. So I actually suggested these little tiny keychain lights with an LED bulb. Oh, that were so, brilliant. Like, basically, basically like, um, I, I mean, I fit them on my keys and everything and they started to include those into the packaging as well. So people could have an activation light or they could still use their phone, but that, that helped, um, with some of that confusion and and they said that ever since doing that you know they've had increasing sales because it made it easier to also have just that activation light on hand awesome there's two things that you talked about that i want to dig into a little bit the first one that i'll mention but what i want to talk about second was having the golf ball be a unique business card so i love that it's it's a very unique form of marketing i'm a student of marketing and absolutely love it i want to dig into that but first I want to go back. You said you had picked up a sponsorship. So one of the questions I had coming into this was, how do you monetize being a professional mini golfer and or, in this case, a blogger? So how do you monetize what you're doing? Sure. So um, 
I do also have another business with miniature golf that we'll get into, but just with mini golf reviews. So where that comes into play is mostly it's the marketing value. So I can do sponsored posts, which is a, a good opportunity for me to make uh, revenue because with my audience reach, it does have significant impact on um, doing a, a post. I mean, I could do a post that maybe isn't related to mini golf, but that's just not really my, my areas. But however, that doesn't mean I can't find products that have some connection to it. So uh, recently before all the COVID-19 stuff, um, I had one last show that was at the, that weekend right before pretty much everything got locked down. And that was a golf show. And I'm, which is great because I'm connecting with all these other businesses that are complementary to golf. And one of the companies was a sunscreen um, company. And I actually have, um, I get an allergic reaction to a lot of sunscreens. So I was a little bit hesitant at first when he came by and said, Hey, check out the sunscreen and all that. And he gave me a sample, but the thing was it worked really well for me. And it it had like that dry um, uh, feel to it. And then I also didn't, break out in hives or anything. So I was like, this is great. So I said, Hey, is this something that you'd be interested in um, doing a, like a sponsorship partnership with? And they said, yeah. So I, I sent them, um, you know, the, my, my, my sheet with all my information on how, like what I can do and different types of posts and um, you know, shout outs and things like that with my social media. And, and they're very interested in that. It's just, obviously is a kind of a tough time for everybody to, to invest in whatever type of marketing, things like that, just because people aren't buying or selling. Like it's kind of hard to sell sunscreen right now when nobody's going pretty much going outside. So I I get that aspect of it, but that doesn't mean I don't have that, that connection. So I just wanted to kind of explain like, just because I'm all about mini golf doesn't mean that I don't make these other connections with other businesses too. Um, But then also it's uh, I also get the, the um, paid per click on, on my site with the, cause WordPress is great for being able to monetize your website. So there's that. And that's just kind of a, a, a smaller stream coming in, but that's um, consistently coming in. So basically what's great about that is that pays for the website to be uh, active throughout the year. So basically that's my entire business cost other than going to the courses and playing. Um, but even then, uh, working with different sponsors and things like that uh, helps balance that all out too. So with the paper um, click, you're talking about Google AdSense, right? Yeah. Yep. So as people um, go to the, go to my page, there are ads that are on there, but if they have ad blocker, obviously that they can get past that. But uh, Google AdSense basically tries to figure out if there's any ads that relate to your content. And then sometimes I just throw up random stuff too which sometimes I do sometimes want to kind of get away from that just because sometimes there's ads that don't go with my message or, or mission with the the product. But at the same time, it's like, it's kind of hard to go away from that other than doing like a paid subscription. And I think I could have some people do that. I just, I'm not sure. Like I wanted to keep it uh, accessible for everyone and not have that paid element to that website on its own. But th- I mean, that's something that's kind of cool as I can explore that option if I, if I really want to, because I make the decisions on that. 
for the uh, audience that's listening. So Google AdSense, if you've ever gone to a website like say weather.com and you see all those little box ads around them, those aren't put there by weather.com. It's typically done with a Google snippet of code that pulls in ads that would be appropriate based on your search history and websites that you've gone to. So just kind of give you a, a high level view of what we're talking about. Right. So um, there's that. Um, also the sponsored post. So if someone wants, even if they don't necessarily re- are related to it, but maybe they know of a mini golf opportunity, like maybe there's a course that they're partnering with for a certain thing and they, they want to help promote that. Um, I can do, I can run an ad, which is gener- generally relatively cheap for that. For me, I haven't done a ton of those. I've done a couple, but so for me, it's figuring out the pricing that, that makes sense for both my time, my reach, and then what's you know a good rate for working with a bunch of businesses. Uh, so that's another area that I can also do that with. And, and that's cool too, because WordPress makes it really easy to do that. You take your post, you pin it to the top of the page, you highlight it and show, so people can easily find that. And then social media, it's just boom, you just throw that out there and all that. And then you can, if you want it to go even further, you know, you can do like sponsored posting on social media, but that's a paid expense. You would pass that off to the client too, just because like, okay, you pay me $150 to do a sponsored post. I'm not going to put $150 on Instagram to sponsor it because then it's, Right. It's nothing. So, so like if they wanted to do to further have that reach, that's how kind of how that works. Um, uh, and then, uh, just also in playing in tournaments too. So having the opportunity to play for money is, uh, is another thing too. Um, but it, it can be really competitive. And even if you're a really good player, you have off days and, um, you know, people can just, just come in and just crush it too. So you can't rely on that, but that's kind of a nice little extra and it's fun anyway. So, um, so that's really with mini golf reviews where that goes. I also kind of created a, like favorite brands and like a business network type of thing. So if there's companies that I particularly like, but maybe I don't necessarily have like a sponsorship partnership, but I still like the company and maybe, you know, they'll, they'll, do a shout out or something on social media too. I kind of create a network of those businesses um, as well, just so people can find them. Cause I mean, everyone has the same problem is how do I reach people, find people, all that kind of thing. So try to help work with other businesses as well. That's kind of what prompted um, my other business that I had formed. And this was really besides paying off my student loans, this was really what was going to confirm that I could handle doing this as a full-time career. And I created a, a business called Jackpot. So it's a play on the words of jackpot um, because it's a traveling miniature golf hole in one contest that people play for a cash prize. So uh, my the, the official name is jackpot. And then my tagline is where you always putt for dough. So it plays on the adage of in golf where you drive for show, putt for dough. So what's cool about that is so it is a, it allows me to also design and build courses and and bring those around and bring mini golf to people opposed to them having to go to mini golf so I can get in front of people that wouldn't normally be um necessarily the mini golf audience or uh or maybe forgot about miniature golf or things like that and just getting it to be present in their mind but also it was really important for me to also be a mission based business so 
at every event that I do, um, it's also a fundraiser to support a, a local nonprofit or a nonprofit organization throughout the country. So um, it's bringing in money for people to play because it costs to play. And then it money goes back into the jack the jackpot for people to, to win. But then also it's the, um, the, the money goes into the fundraiser too. So I'll typically do a percentage around like, 20 to 50%, depending on the organization and any arrangements that we, that we are able to work out. Um, and that's worked out really well. And that also gives me, um, the opportunity to, um, be at different events for free because I'm donating to the nonprofit. And I ask in my, um, like inquiry about an event, would you mind waiving a vendor fee so I can invest that money into designing the whole, around your event. So it gets more uh, attraction and entertainment value, which then brings more money in for the, the nonprofit. And, and that's gone really well. People have loved to do that. And it's unique. There's, well, I know there's nobody else doing what I'm doing because I'm the first one out there doing it. Not that there aren't many golf rental companies or things like that, but they're just in a, a full or they're a three hole course or a six hole course or a nine hole course or an 18 hole course. Um, but there's, it's just playing the course. So my element allows them to play for cash. And then also I have a bunch of other cool prizes and stuff that I work with small businesses to either offer coupons or, or their swag or anything along those lines. And I can be really creative with arranging that. So I have like my own products, like um, drawstring bags and cups and uh, partnered with a company called great plate. So they make a plate where you can hold your drink in the middle and have your food oh, all around yes. it. So, so, uh, and they're actually out of Wisconsin, so they're, they're local, but they're an, a nationwide brand and, and they've been loving what I'm doing and I love what they're doing. And we've met at a bunch of different events. So it's kind of a, a neat way to stay connected with them and have some really cool products that people get excited about. Um, the, the light up golf balls, like I had shown before, that's something that people really get into. Um, and, and I'm always just working on trying to figure out what is a good prize to give away. So, um, I have, uh, like chip clips and glow in the dark wristbands. And I, I'd learned early on that, um, people, there are people that don't like certain items and then there are people that love certain items. So it's kind of, experimenting with getting different items and give and having people win those and see the reactions that people have to know that like, okay, some people aren't really interested in uh, winning a branded plastic cup, but people, all people have been really interested in winning a glow in the dark uh, drink koozie. So like, so now I know that that's an item that I definitely got to get more of because that I sold out of, but I still, or I, I, people had one, but now I, I have a, quite a, a line of cups still around. So, um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's still great because even if, you know, it's not necessarily the favorite prize for people to win, I can still take that out of the line, but then I still have something to give people when I'm talking with different businesses and things like that and promoting uh, that. You seem um, like a case study in marketing because you're doing your own split testing with giveaway items. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I mean, the, the money that comes in for people playing pays for those items. And for me to get the business started was just out of my own savings, but I'm actually profitable, even though it hasn't been a year uh, operation yet. It's not like I'm making six figures off of the business, but I'm actually able to make 
you know, a sustainable income from that, keep the business, both businesses alive. Um, my wife is able to work. She works from home. She actually worked at the fortune. She works at the fortune 500 company that I had left. Uh, she's a design uh, analyst. And so there's that great connection still there. I mean, I left the company on, on good terms. So, you know, if, if things don't work out, I do have that as a backup plan, but that was, I, I've always had this um, belief that I could really make this be something. And right now it's just like, I'm just on the, the verge of like really hitting big, I think, because there's some big opportunities that are coming up this summer, even though with COVID-19, it's still happening. Um, so can't really disclose too much about that, but there's, that's going to be my big turning point where I become like a household name for miniature golf. You think miniature golf, you're going to think Mr. Mini golf. So that's where this kind of becomes something pretty cool. Um, also with COVID-19 happening, um, I've had to, you know, change my plan for how to operate um, jackpot at least because that's entirely uh, event-based. So I travel around to different events in Wisconsin at this point. I'd love to expand further into the country and, and hire people and give people opportunity to, you know, operate a business as well, franchise, I suppose. Um, I do have people, miniature golf people interested on in New Jersey and California and Texas. So there's opportunity there to make jackpot a, a nationwide business as well. But um, for me, I can't do the events right now. So um, I had to kind of get creative with everything going on. So um, I recently met a golfing professional out in California and she is a candidate for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Woman of the Year. And she was telling me about that. And with my uh, passion to help other people and businesses and nonprofit organizations, I told her, you know, let, when, we get, when I get back home and to Wisconsin, I'll see if I can figure out how to do some sort of donation with you with Jackbutt. But then everything happened and now there was no event. So I still wanted to figure out how I could support her. So we came up with this concept that we launched uh, last week uh, called Putt for Pledges. So basically, it's a virtual putting contest that people do at their home. Uh, and they get people to pledge like, oh, for every putt you make, you'll get a dollar from me or things like that uh, for 10 putts. And then that's going to be on May 9th, which is National Miniature Golf Day. And so far, that's it's been doing really well. We're over $1,200 raised at this point. Uh, people that participate, they get one of those light up golf balls. They get a shirt that we just, or I just uh, shared the, the preview of yesterday. Uh, they get a, a putt for pledges sticker and a jackpot uh, drawstring bag to put everything into. And that's in that, and it's free to sign up for people to be a participating putter, but they design a miniature golf hole in their house or in their yard or at their business location, or if, if it'll allowed, they can do it at a golf course or a miniature golf course. And the cool thing is um, we're going to do a voting for the people's choice of their favorite miniature golf hole. So people do a live stream on Instagram or Facebook or Twitch or whatever streaming platform that they're comfortable with, and then use the hashtag putt for pledges, then they're eligible to win uh, a great prize with that. Uh, but people can still participate even if they don't want to do the live stream. They just won't be eligible um, for the, the the people's choice unless they take a picture too and, and 
you use the hashtag. Um, but that's going to be a great opportunity to raise some money. I just was on, uh, did a story on the local news yesterday for that. That's going to air, um, this Wednesday coming up. So that's an opportunity to, um, to reach more people locally for me in, in Wisconsin. But we're also talking with uh, PGA tour professionals, uh, talking with their agents to get them involved. We're talking with celebrities to get them involved. So we really would like to see, you know, how big can we get this, especially for being the first of its kind, uh, no one doing a, a virtual event like this and already have um, other people interested in doing their own campaign after the May 9th one. So it's already starting to become a, a big success with that. And it's a great way to support different nonprofits and things like that. Um, especially uh, LLS is a, a really important one. I had a friend uh, diagnosed with lymphoma in August of last year. He's actually has his final scans on May 8th, the day before the competition um, from, from chemo and uh, being able to, to put this in to help support him is, is important to me. I've also lost a lot of family members and friends to cancer and people need to remember that there was cancer before COVID-19 and there'll still be cancer after COVID-19. So, and those are the people that are going to be one of the most at risk people in general from the whole thing. So we gotta, we gotta do what we can to help those people so they can thrive in this time instead of being afraid for their survival. So that's, that's what's kind of um, a, a kind of a neat way that I've been able to adapt my business and get innovative, but still follow my mission to help other people in businesses. That is awesome. And it's been absolutely fascinating to hear your story and to see how you took what most people would figure to be just a pastime or something fun mm -hmm. to do into a real business and lifestyle. It's absolutely amazing. You are a living model of if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. So kudos absolutely. and congratulations to you for all of that. Thank you. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. We're up here at the end of the interview. How can the audience reach out and connect with you if they want to follow you or figure out how to get involved? Sure, absolutely. So uh, you can check out both websites. You can go to minigolfreviews.com as well as jack-putt.com. You can also find me on social media with Jack Putt uh, or Jack Putt LLC or Mr. Minigolf. And also as Carl Barth. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. I'm, I'm on all the, all the platforms. So you can find me. And we'll put all of those into the show notes so you can head over to the totalfreedompodcast.com and find that under this episode. Carl, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the Total Freedom Podcast. Yep. Great. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. You can find the show notes for today's episode at totalfreedompodcast.com forward slash episode five. Hi, I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. We want to continue to bring amazing content to help you overcome the challenges in your life, become more resilient, achieve the life of your dreams. So we're going to ask you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform you listen to. That helps us to get ranked higher in the podcast chart so that we can share this message with more people. So again, subscribe, rate, and review, whether it's good, bad, whatever feedback, we'll use that to help make this podcast better. So thanks so much.
Thanks for listening to Total Freedom with John Racine at www.totalfreedompodcast.com.